From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. In the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, if you have a digital Bible and you're on the YouVersion app, it's free. I encourage you to download that if you're looking for a free app. It's a good app. Got many different versions on there. Bible reading plans. We also, I believe, have a live event on there today. You can track along. First Chronicles chapter 4. Uh, as I said earlier, we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are coming up on our final week of, of prayer and fasting, and we're doing this to begin this year by, by realigning our hearts and realigning our souls on God. It's so easy to begin a new year thinking about your goals and your plans and your resolutions, and I'm not saying any of that's wrong. I got them too, but I think it's important for us as individuals and as a church to bring attention and focus to, to Christ. And I believe that fasting, though often a neglected spiritual practice, is a very powerful one that pays big dividends in the spiritual life. And I believe that as you begin this practice, and not just for these 21 days, but hopefully this becomes habitual for you, you will see God move through in your life in more ways than you have before. Uh, denying ourselves. And our flesh, for the sake of the spirit, is powerful. And I think that plays out in different ways, too, especially I shared this a few weeks back. If you are one that struggles with temptation or giving in to your flesh in those moments, if you choose to deny yourself in other ways, it gives you strength for those moments. Completely untied, but very much tied through prayer and fasting. And we believe also that God gave us a word for this year. The word is promised for 2023, and I shared about that two weeks ago. You can go back and listen on our podcast. But to see promises fulfilled and to see the promises God still has for us, we need to bring focus to Christ. And that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting really helps with. And as I shared, we're going to cap off these three weeks by coming together as a body this Saturday and just worshiping and, and praying in the room. Someone had mentioned a few weeks back during our Tuesday morning prayer that they had felt in their spirit that we need to, to make time and room to have like a, an evening gathering service to pray for healing. And so I want to encourage you, if you're looking for God to heal you, to heal your relationship, to heal a situation, I really think healing can happen in so many different ways. Come and let's pray for you. Right, let's bring that before the Lord. Why not? Right? Too often we don't do that. We just kind of battle our thing right? alone, or maybe we ask one or two people, let's bring that before the Lord together as a body, as, as Parkway Church. So I'm challenging you to be there. And then uh, while we're in this uh, three weeks of prayer and fasting, we're looking at prayers in the Bible. And Pastor Zoe kind of kicked us off last week by looking at the prayer of Hannah from First. Samuel, today we're going to look at this prayer from First Chronicles of a man named Jabez. So if you have your Bible, First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, I'm going to read it for us this morning. It says this, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. 
and God granted his request. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this morning. We believe that you are here. We know that you're here, and we're open to your presence this morning. And we just pray, God, that now as we look again at this scripture, this text this morning, you'd speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, the things you want to say to each and every single one of us, would you speak this morning? We make room for your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Any Survivor fans? Reality show Survivor? Yeah, I'm a big, we're big Survivor fans in our home. Um, I like the show. If I ever disappear for three or four months, it's likely because I made it on the show. There's something about pushing people to their absolute limits that draws my attention. And I like to believe I'd be really good at Survivor. Jody and I talk about that often on whether or not people would hate me or love me. And I think too, I'm like, you know, this is a game, right? It's like a board game, but in real life, it's a game. Do I, as a pastor, a minister of the gospel, step into the game and lie and manipulate my way to the top? Because these are, that's, that's a challenge for me. That's the thing I'm worried about. I'm like, can I do that? Like, this is a game. Or do I have to, because in Survivor, if you ever watch Survivor, you, you, there's deception. And there's a lot of it. And you don't know who's talking to who. But we have, uh, we have friends that do a Survivor pool. And they pick from day one who they believe is going to be the winner. And I have a really hard time with that. I have a hard time with that because I find myself always going for the underdog. And you don't really know who the underdog is on day one, right? You can speculate, but as you watch the show, you begin to see who, who's the underdog. And I find myself always rooting for the one that's, that is less likely to win. I, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just drawn to the underdog. This past season, I think it was this past season, um, there was a lot of underdogs, like a lot of them. I, you know, Jody and I were like, oh, I really, we really want that guy to win or this one. I'll be, you know, if they win, I'd be okay because they, you know, we were just rooting for the underdog. And this season, an underdog, like an unlikely character won. And they actually promised to donate 100% of their um, winnings to Veteran Affairs. I thought that was awesome. I don't know if it actually happened, but I thought that was, that was quite awesome. There's something about underdogs that I think we, we like. We like a good underdog story, right? We're drawn to the underdogs. They're relatable. There's something, I think, in those stories that we can empathize with. Because somewhere in our journey, we felt like that. Maybe not all the time, or maybe for you all the time, but we've, we felt like the ones who just can't catch a break, We felt like the ones that were continually hit when we're down, or maybe we're labeled most likely to lose. And maybe that's your story, but I believe that's Jabez's story. I truly believe that that is the story of Jabez. When you dig into these two verses that are sandwiched between genealogies and lists of people, when you dig into these two verses, you see an underdog. There's very little to go off. These are the two verses that we have, but, but kind of really kind of fleshing out what they say, we can deduce a few things. Now, the thing is, if we don't, we're likely to read this completely different. I think a lot of people have. I think a lot of people have read this text differently. On the surface, and we're going to look at it right now, it appears to be a man who's looking for more. 
He's looking for prosperity. He's looking for health and wealth. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Unfortunately, when we read the scriptures that is translated to English for us, we often read them through our own lens, right? And depending on the tone I give to the text can determine what I think the text says. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Sounds really arrogant compared to, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. But I believe that we've looked at this, or people have looked at this wrong, and and what's wrong with that, right? I think we all would like a blessing. I think all of us would say that we want financial security, and we want a life that is free from, from pain and from harm, and those things are not wrong. In fact, I think they're good things to pursue. I think, I think pursuing good stewardship with our finances and working on our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit are good things. But they can be very self-focused, which the gospel isn't. And I don't think that's, the, that's in fact, not the model that Jesus left for us. This, this prayer on the surface is not a good example or model of prayer. The model of prayer that Jesus left for us sounds a little bit different. When his disciples asked him how to pray, out of all the things the disciples asked Jesus how to do, they said, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, say something like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, it doesn't say my kingdom come. Jesus said, pray that your kingdom would be enlarged and your territory would expand. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. Give me this day my daily bread. Give me what I need to get through. Give me my manna from heaven. Forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. That is a kingdom-minded prayer. That is a God-centered prayer. This one, though, on the surface, if we don't dig into it, if we don't, if we don't really kind of flesh out what is going on here, if we look at this as a model of prayer for health and wealth, and we, don't, and we teach that, and we write books about that, and then we don't get that, we don't get wealth, and we don't get health, then it can cause us, it can cause people to question God's faithfulness. Well, how come I'm, I'm not getting what this is promised? I did the prayer. I said the formula. Or it can cause us to question God's love for us. Maybe God doesn't love me. Or it can question, cause you to question your faith. Well, I just mustn't have enough faith, right? I got little faith, and so that's why I'm not seeing. And unfortunately, for followers of Jesus, there's been a lot of harm done because they've been told that they don't have enough faith. That's the reason God isn't answering your prayers. Like he's some sort of like cosmic Lord dangling things over you, says you just got to believe a little harder. That's not enough. When Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. You know why I think Jesus said that? I think he said that to encourage those who felt like they didn't have enough faith. It's like all you need is a little bit. A little dabble, do you? Just a little bit. I try, to, I try to teach my kids that with soap because for whatever reason, when they push the soap out of the soap dispenser. It's like, I need to get 
a lot. It's either I don't wash my hands and I use no soap, or when I use soap, I use all the soap. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta go back and use soap, but just a little dab, a little dab will do you. Faith the size of mustard seed. So if we teach this as a model for prayer and, and we don't get health and wealth, we can question God's faith in this, we can question his love, or we can question our own faith when in fact we live in a broken, fallen world. We live in a world that is mutilated by sin. The Bible says that the created order longs for God's redemption. The creation is longing for his redemption. We are bound, we are promised by Jesus to experience trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. The, the, the New Testament has some rich theology on suffering. We don't like to talk about that. Let me read you some scriptures, Romans 5.3. We glory, Paul says, in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. He continued a little bit later on. He says, I considered that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, for just as we abundantly share in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Philippians chapter 1, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ to not only believe in him, but also to suffer for him. 1 Peter 3, for it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. James chapter 1, popular one, considered a pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Disappointment with God in prayer happens when we've adopted a bad theology and believe promises that God had never really promised, at least in this life. Like health and wealth. If we look at the prayer of Jabez on the surface as a formula for health and wealth, I'm stumbling at health and wealth. It's a tongue twister. And we do happen to receive wealth, and we do happen to receive health, then it's possible to become self-focused, disinterested in the kingdom of God and the things of God. I heard a saying this week that said, the problem with winning the rat race is in the end, you're still a rat. I'm not against health and wealth at all. I think the Bible speaks, the Bible does speak about more money more than any other topic. But stewardness, God talks about God's blessing. King Solomon, I love this, when, when the Lord asked him what he would give him, he prayed for wisdom. And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'll also give you riches. Gave him riches. God promises to, to open up the gates of heaven and pour out heaven's riches on those who are faithful with tithe and offering. God talks about giving generously to those who would receive so that they could be and do more for the kingdom of God. But this prayer is not that prayer, I think. It's not a prayer for health and wealth, and you see that as we dig in a little bit. So let's look at it. Verse 9, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. Now, this could mean, we don't really know, but this could mean that in, in one sense, that he was a very honorable man. And a lot of people have taken it like that. Uh, the, the region of Jabez, which he's named after, well, not named after, but also ha bears his name, was a region that the scribes lived in. And scribes were very learned men. And so it's possible that Jabez was one of them. 
It's also possible that when the scriptures say he's more honorable than his brothers, that he's not super honorable, he's just better than his brothers. Uh, Jabez, he's better than his brothers. But we don't know. We don't know what that means. The text continues, though. It says that his mother named him Jabez, meaning I gave birth to him in pain. Now, in Jewish culture, it was common to give symbolic names to children, names that meant something to the mother or father, and names that would also foreshadow something regarding their future. When you would hear someone's name, you would know what it meant for that person in that culture. I was looking up uh, names this week. (laughs) in light of this. And in 2018, there was a Scottish child named Lucifer. I thought, oh, like that could mean a number of things. Like it can mean morning star. It can mean, you know, bright shining star. But in the English vernacular, we all know that everybody, whether you're in church or not, kind of knows that that's a name of Satan. And I think there was some comment by the mother or father as just, just, you know, regards to it. But what is foreshadowed for that child? In 2017, there were six boys named Slayer. Either they like like heavy metal music or, I don't know. There is a U.S. governor whose last name was, was Bath and named his daughter Ima. No, sorry, Hog. Hog. Last name was Hog and named his daughter Ima. I'm a hog. I heard of another one that was a funny one. That was the last name was Bath, and they named their daughter Anita. Anita Bath. Jabez means sorrowful. It's related to the word sadness. And his mother called him that because he came through pain. And honestly, I think all of us could be named that to some degree, but maybe, maybe his birth was extra painful. Imagine carrying that for your life. Like as a child growing up, pain, sadness. It's not just something you experience, it's your name. It's your name. No label stick and name calling hurts, but when that's your name, like the weight of that on you growing up. And I think Jabez felt it for sure because when we look at this text, this the author felt it was important to include that detail about his life just before he prayed to God to keep me from harm so that I would be free from pain. Would all that he had attempt to do and all that he had set out to accomplish be accompanied by pain and sadness? You know, there's a lot of studies in neurology about the effects of your thinking over your actions, that you're always, we just, I just heard it this week, I think it was from Life Church. Craig Rochelle said that you're always moving towards your strongest thought. What if the thought was sadness? So in my opinion, this is not a prayer for health and wealth. This is not a man that's saying, bless me with more. But this is a petition to God to hear a broken heart. This is a a cry of desperation. This is a man who has a label attached to him and it's defined his life. And so not out of a selfish desire does he pray, but a heartfelt cry for the Lord to change his story. How many of us are in similar situations? 
I need you right now. God, bless me. Free my life from... We want the Lord to extend some extra grace. We just wish maybe he dealt us or could deal us a different set of cards. So on the surface, this prayer is, it's me, it's my, it's, it's I, but looking at it another way, it's this sincere, real, heartfelt, Lord, show me some mercy. So in his circumstances, I believe this is, this is what it's showing. Jabez calls out to the Lord, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And the last line that the text gives us simply says, and God granted his request. Nothing more to the story than that. That's all we got, two verses. Here's a man who's a little bit more honorable than his brothers. His mom names him Jabez because his birth was painful. And he prays to God that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, be with me and keep my life from harm so to be free of pain. God says, done. Done. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. He didn't even pray the right formula. Not like there's a formula. God's like, if you pray this way, then I'll answer. But if you don't, you're missing out. He just cried out to God. You know, too often we, we consider God to be this cosmic genie that's just there to grant our requests. Or like a slot machine that we hope we get lucky this time. I hope we get lucky this time. That's not who God is. God is not arbitrarily handing out answers to prayer. He's not saying, oh, today's your day. Today's not your day. Oh, you get it this time. He's not Oprah saying, look under your seat, see if your answer's there, right? You get a prayer and request answered and you get a prayer request answered and you don't because I don't like you. That's not what he said. That's not God. He shows no favoritism, the scriptures say, none. He's a loving father, Jesus describes for us, who in his sovereignty and grace, hears the heart cry of a man who is desperate. And so Jabez prayed and God heard and in his grace and in his sovereign plan for Jabez's life, he granted his request. And I think his story is so close to our story. We all have times of need. We all have moments of desperation. How many times in those moments have you cried out? God, that you would hear and see my situation. Not for health and wealth, but for his hand. I don't know how many times I've heard people who have been in these kind of similar situations or situations like this, but now can look back and say, I saw God's faithfulness. Sometimes really hard in the thick of it. It's really difficult in the moment. But hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to look back and be like, I saw how he was gracious. And I think that this, this story could be your story if you cried out to him, if you went to him, if you turned to him in desperation. I think of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. Nobody could help her. Jesus shows up on the scene. He's walking through. Crowds are touching him, pressing against him. People are bombarding him, and she says, if I can just touch him. 
So she weaves herself through the crowd. This is a person who would be considered unclean and probably wouldn't associate in crowds. But she said, if I just get to him, she pushes through in her desperation, touches him. Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching me, man. Everybody is. And he's like, no, somebody did it different. Somebody's desperate. And maybe you're here today and you got something going on and you're desperate. This could be your story. God's a rescuer. Psalm 72, 12 and 14 says, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. What does Jesus say? Ask, and it'll be given to you. Scriptures say a humble and contrite heart God does not despise. Jesus said, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He is a father who loves you. And he knows what's best. And sometimes his answers, just like a good father would to his children, aren't always the way we hope. But he loves you. And he cares for you. He is not a Lord who sits on a throne absent and far dangling things in front of you saying, reach a little higher. He's a good father who cares for his creation. So what can we take from this? God hears the desperation of a heart. I invite the worship team to come. I want to look at some practical elements in this prayer of Jabez. And then we're going to call out to the Lord together in song again. I'm going to invite the team to sing that last song that we had just sung we're going to call out to God together. Maybe when you call out to God, as you sing, you're going to sing it for somebody else. You're going to pray for somebody else. But here's the first thing that Jabez shows us. Jabez recognized God was the source of all blessing. Oh, that you would bless me. The hymn rightly sings, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Scripture declares every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He is the same, the same God that Jabez prayed to and God granted his request is the same God that we go to in our desperation. Jabez recognized that God alone could bless his life. This is the life that was handed to me, but God, you can change this. Second thing was that Jabez invited the Lord to bless his endeavors. Enlarge my territories. He considered the fact that God could influence and bless his surroundings, his work. Now, some say that this was spiritual. And it could be. He could be saying, God, enlarge my heart and extend the borders of my character and increase my faith and allow me to be a blessing to your king. That could be. We don't know. But I, when, I, when I look at this, I believe he's speaking about whatever he puts his hand to. He's looking at his, has his work as a place to bring glory to God. He's saying, God, do more through me. I'm a vessel for you. Next, Jabez invites God's presence into his life. Let your hand be with me. He recognizes his limits, and he knew he needs God, God's help. 
You know, it's the heart of an apprentice of Jesus that recognizes that the presence of God with us is the greater blessing than material wealth. God with us is a greater blessing than financial security or freedom. That's great. I'm not saying that's wrong. But if it's one or the other, the greater of the two, oh, I want God with me. I want God with me. God, let your hand be with me. A man whose life was probably marked by sadness and pain, at least in his own mind and heart. God, let your hand be with me. Whatever I face, whatever I go through, whatever tomorrow brings, whatever others say about me, be with me. Be with me. Number four, Jabez rightly understood that under the Lord's power, he could be free from his labels. Keep me from harm so that I may be free from pain. He's referencing his own name here. And I think he's renouncing it. No longer, Lord, am I going to be defined by this. Keep me from harm. Keep me from pain. Today, I'm choosing to be defined by, by what you say about me and not what my mother says about me and not what my father says and not what my brothers say and not what my siblings say and not what the, my coworkers say and not what anybody else says. Everybody, when they hear my name, they think of pain and they think of sorrow, but I'm gonna choose to be defined by how you define my life so that you would bless me. Would you bless me, Lord? Would you be with me? Would you keep me from harm and my life may be free from pain? So for us to pray as Jabez did, we got to first recognize who God is in our lives. Do we know him as a good father who extends blessing? Do we recognize that his power can influence our pursuits? Do we understand that his presence is with us? Do we see that he has the power to change what has defined our lives? Again, this is not a formula. This is not the model that Jesus left for us. But the wonderful thing about this prayer is it reminds us that the same God that Jabez cried out to is the same God we do. And if God granted his desperate request, he can hear us in our desperation. So are you desperate today? Do you have a need for God? And my prayer is, if you're here today and you're like, ah, no, my prayer is that he would make you aware of your need for him. Maybe you have health, thank God. Maybe you're financially secure, thank God. But I pray that in that, you recognize that every good and perfect gift is from above. And without him, we're nothing. We have nothing. I want us to call on God in our desperation. Ask the big ask. Like be clear with him. My kids are very clear with their requests when they come to me. Be clear with your father. Be specific. As an apprentice of Jesus, a follower of Christ, he hears you. I think one of the reasons we don't actually see answers to prayer is because we just don't go. And we just don't go to him. We'll ask somebody else for prayer. Oh yeah, you pray for me? Send a prayer request. But do we go? Like, do we really go? Like, not just like a quick little, not send a text message to Jesus through a prayer. 
Yeah, I could, I could use some help. Now he hears that if it's desperation. I truly believe he hears that, but he knows your heart. He knows when it's just like a quick little, hey, you up there? Thanks. And he knows when it's like, I need you. He hears you. So just before we sing, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're online. Maybe you're listening later and you've never sought Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Something in my heart said that today we need to make room for somebody who hasn't given the life to Jesus to do so. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. You've never asked him to forgive your sins. You've never asked him to be Lord of your life. And there's something inside of you awakening, saying, I need to do that today. Well, we want to give you opportunity. We want to pray with you and pray for you and pray alongside of you. So that's you today. I want you, if you're in the room, you can raise your hand. If you're online and you're on the comments, you can put a hand up in the comments. If you're listening later on, just in the quietness of your heart. I wonder if we could all repeat this prayer after me. Dear Father, come on, nice and loud. Dear Father, I recognize I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins and come into my life as Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you in your heart prayed that for the first time, I want you to reach out to us. If you're online and you prayed that for the first time, I want you to reach out to me. I wanna, I wanna give you, I wanna help you with some next steps in your faith. You know what the Bible says, church, though? You remember this. There's more celebration over the one that returns to Christ than the 99 that are saved. More celebration. More celebration. Father, we thank you, God, for your word today. We thank you, God, for the prayer of Jabez, how it shows us that we can come to you in our desperation. And Lord, maybe this year, maybe this season, maybe there's situations here, God, I know of a few where people are desperate. There's need. Lord, I pray that not only would you see it, but would you awaken and stir something in them to cry out to you? For you're the God who can bless and enlarge territories. You are the God who is with us. You are the God who can change what's defined us for our entire lives. Lord, you're the God who heals. You're the God who provides. You're the God who reconciles relationships. You are a good father. And I know that to be true. In Jesus' name. So Lord, as we worship you this one last time, would you stir our affections towards you? And would you hear the cry of this church as we call on you in Jesus' name? Would you stand with us? We're going to worship one final time. The team's going to lead us. And I just, you know, let this be Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook, 
and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.